Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. As you look back on your Christian life, I'm sure you can identify some very special moments. Perhaps the day you came to Christ. The day you were born again into the family of God. Perhaps there was a time when God just miraculously met your need. And you've identified that as God working in a very special way to show you his faithfulness. Maybe it was a time of worship. A time in which you were just overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and you understood the wonder of who God is in your life. Special moments in the Christian life. But as I think about my Christian life, many of the special moments with God are built around my family. Recognizing what God is doing in their lives. Understanding that they have a relationship with God and it's personally being lived out for the honor and glory of God. Knowing that My kids walk in the truth. In a few short weeks, March the 1st, Connie and I will not be here. We will be in Rochester at First Baptist Church of Rochester, and I get to baptize my grandboys. Woohoo! I am looking forward to that day, seeing my kids grandkids walk in the truth. Yesterday I had the opportunity of sitting in Jack and Barb Thurston's home. Jack's getting ready to go to glory. Placed on hospice care. Doing what he can to to manage the pain and there's considerable pain. Not looking forward to the journey between here and there but is confident in the destination. He knows where he's going to end up. As I walked into their home, I was reintroduced to one of their daughters, their middle daughter, actually, Kathy. They have three girls, Carrie and Kathy and Laura. And Kathy was there sitting around the table, and they were working a jigsaw puzzle. I sat down with Jack and said, Jack, how's it going? He looks at me and he says, you know, Pastor, I have a wonderful wife. Been married 56 years. I have three wonderful children. And each of them has a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And each of them and their family members are living for the Lord. He said, it doesn't get any better than that. Paul had two special young men that he was helping grow in their relationship with God. Timothy and Titus. He had mentored them. He had brought them along. He had discipled them. And now as he writes to them, he is encouraging them to continue to walk in the truth. Recognizing that it's not an easy thing to do. 
Understanding that God has called them to special ministry and placed them in some difficult situations in their lives. But Paul says, walk in the truth. Keep a focus. God's not finished with you yet. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. But can I encourage you by reminding you that God's not finished with you yet? Can I challenge you to walk in the truth in the midst of difficult circumstances? May I remind you that God is still God and can be trusted? This morning we're going to look at the first two verses of 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we are going to see how Paul identifies Timothy and how he encourages him as he begins to instruct him and build him up in the faith. Follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, will you? 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, a rather simple introduction. We know who the writer is, Paul. We know to whom it is being written, Timothy. And we are challenged with the foundation that Paul gives to Timothy, grace, mercy, and peace. And it all comes from God the Father. Now, I want to remind you this morning a little bit about these individuals, Paul and Timothy, and I want to encourage you with grace, mercy, and peace. Paul, a.k.a. Saul, an individual who was a persecutor of the church of God, who is now a preacher of the gospel of God. Keep your finger here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and turn back to the book of Acts, will you please? Acts chapter 7. That is the first place in Scripture that we are introduced to this young man. And we are introduced to him amongst persecution within the church. Stephen preached the gospel of Jesus Christ And because he was going against the religious leaders of his day, was taken outside the city walls to be stoned. To have his life taken from him simply because he was a preacher of new truth. Truth that he had received from Jesus Christ. May I remind you that when you live out truth, it may cost you something. It cost Stephen his life. And in verse 58, we read this. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is the first time that we are introduced to this individual. Now we move very quickly to chapter 8, and we find out that this individual, Saul... 
approved of the execution of Stephen. Verse 1 says that Saul was not only there minding all of the coats of those who were stoning, stoning Stephen, but he approved of it. And then we read that great persecution came upon the church, and the church was scattered. But I want you to know something. Verse 4. Now those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Isn't that cool? Yeah, persecution, pressure, stress may come our way. But what that early church was, they used it to their advantage and they went everywhere preaching the word. Oh, the faithfulness of these individuals. And God used it in a very special way. Now jump forward to chapter 9, will you please? But Saul, chapter 8 tells us about the ministry of the disciples, tells us about Philip and the Ethiopian unit, and now we get back to chapter 9 and we see, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, he went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He went on his way, verse 3, approached Damascus, and something happened to change Saul's life. God got a hold of him. Now, it's rather remarkable here how God got a hold of him. The text says... That while he was on his way to Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can you imagine that event? This morning, I was getting ready to go back to the choir, and I knew it was Glenn Ross's birthday, and I said, hey, Glenn, happy birthday, and he goes, his back was to me. He didn't know who it was. Probably recognized my voice. Happy 55th, Glenn. I think I remember when I was 55. But here Saul is on his way to Damascus. He's going to persecute the believers. And he sees a bright light and it actually blinds him. He hears a voice, a voice asking a legitimate question. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, I need to tell you a little bit about Saul. Saul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Saul was a Pharisee teacher of the law. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. In fact, Scripture tells us that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, you'll remember not too many weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, and then just a few days later, he was brought to the temple for his dedication. That's, that's what they did with, with Jewish babies. He was an advancer of Judaism beyond his own age, and he was zealous. 
He was one who felt the importance of Old Testament text. We also, as kind of a side note, at the end of Acts find out that he was a Roman citizen. So, when God gets his attention and asks this question, he says, why are you persecuting me? Perhaps a light went on because he knew the Old Testament text. He, understand the script, he understood the scriptures. He, he could very well have recognized the prophecies that pointed toward Jesus. He should have. But now he's confused. And in verse 5, he says, Who are you, Lord? And God graciously introduces himself. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Aren't you thankful for the graciousness of God in our lives? Aren't you thankful when God shows up and introduces himself? Aren't you thankful when God gets our attention so that we might know him in a very special way and we recognize the wonder of who he is? Now, Saul, Paul hadn't put it all together yet. By the way, we don't find out that Saul is called Paul until we get over to Acts chapter 13. And there we read Saul, the, the one also called Paul. And from then on out, he's known as, as Paul. But God very graciously got his attention. And he even told him what to do, verse 6. Rise, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Take the first step, get up, go to the city, and you'll get more information. The men traveling with him, verse 7, heard the voice but saw no one. Saul rose from the ground was blind, even though his eyes were open, he saw nothing. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And then verse 9, for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. That had to have been a long three days. Last night I was flipping channels. Connie lets me have the remote. I ended up on Apollo 13. And I ended up toward the end of that movie where they're just about ready to re-enter our atmosphere. And during that time there is a blackout in which mission control has no idea what's going on. It's when the heat shield protects the astronauts and they are transitioning from space into atmosphere. 
I said to Connie, I said, you know that three minutes must have been a long, long time. Because it had been a successfully failed mission. <laughs> Can you imagine three days? And we know the rest of the story, right? God got a hold of Saul's heart. Verse 18, the scales fell off from his eyes. He regained his sight. He rose, publicly identified with the believers, was baptized, and became a preacher of the gospel. And I love verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the Son of God. When somebody really gets saved, it changes their whole idea about who Jesus is. And that's what happened here. Now there are a couple of applications I want to make. One is this. No matter how bad you are, Jesus can change your heart. Aren't you thankful for that? No matter how bad you are, Jesus can change your heart. Second application is this. That when Jesus changes your heart, everything else in your life changes. When Jesus changes your heart, everything else in your life changes. And number three. When you clearly see who Jesus is, you can clearly see. When you clearly see who Jesus is, you can clearly see. Think you're living in a fog? Get your eyes on Jesus. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul. A persecutor who became a preacher. A fighter who became, in a lot of ways, the foundation of ministry. Paul, a reprobate who received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, and it completely renewed his life. Are you back in 1 Timothy chapter 1? Now, Paul identifies himself as an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I think it's important for us to understand the difference between a disciple and an apostle. A disciple is simply a follower of Christ. The Great Commission tells us that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. And how do we do that? We teach them to observe all the things that Jesus taught us to observe. You and I are disciples of Christ. We talk about Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God, obedient to his word, dependent upon him in prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant so that we can multiply Christ-like disciples, right? We are to be followers of Christ. Now, an apostle is a little different. 
An apostle was one of the rare ones who saw Jesus. Who was exposed personally to the ministry of Jesus Christ. There are 16 apostles identified in the Word of God. 15 if you take out Judas. But you start with the 12, which Judas was one. Matthias was another one. James is described as an apostle of God. And then Paul and Barnabas. Now, there may be others, but those are the ones that are identified in Scripture, 16 of them. Unless you discount Judas. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I want you to note the order there, will you please? Christ, Christos, Messiah, one with authority, one who not only deserves but demands our full submission. Jesus, word made flesh, dwelt among us, showed us the glory of the Father, showed us what grace and truth were all about, identified forgiveness, taught us how to love. Helped us know how we can minister and share. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. By command of God, our Savior, and Christ, our hope. By command of God. Think about that, will you? When God tells you what to do, you better do it. I can think of one individual who was a good illustration about knowing what God wanted them to do and didn't do it. Jonah. You remember what happened to him. When God commands you, when God instructs you, when God reveals to you truth, It is your responsibility, my responsibility, to live that out in our lives. Now, what has God commanded us? Has God commanded us how we are to live together as husband and wife? Mm -hmm. Has God commanded us how we are to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of our Lord? Mm Mm-hmm. Has God commanded us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Has God commanded us to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us? Has God commanded us by everything in prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known unto God? These are not just suggestions, folks. These are directives that God has given to us so that we might be successful. In our Christian lives, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command. Preston identified his first week here at Calvary very briefly this morning. Monday was an interesting day. 
I showed up here my normal time. Preston came in just a few minutes later. The next thing I know, I've got a knock on my door. And Preston says, did you do that to me? What? He led me from my office to his office, which is in the library. And he had been toilet papered. And they had done a wonderful job. Now, I got to tell you, these were not very intelligent toilet paperers. Because they left, left a picture of all those who were involved on his desk. And Preston, being a good Moody student, understands paybacks. We got that cleaned up. We thought we should have just dumped it in Pastor John's office. But then we thought, he'll never see it. <laughs> have you seen his office? We went through the rest of our morning with staff meetings and Preston and I identifying some things that needed to be done and, and put a schedule together, didn't we, Preston? And by 11.15, that schedule had blown up. That was day number one. And it didn't get any better. I'm glad that day happened. Because there are going to be days in Preston's life as he pursues vocational ministry that are going to be worse than that. And the confidence that Preston can have is faithful as he who calls you who also will do it. But not only in Preston's life as he pursues vocational ministry. That's true in all of our lives, folks. And when we find those days that blow up, and they're there, and many times they blow up without our even understanding that there's a fuse that's lit, they just go kaboom. Be encouraged that faithful is he who called you who also will do it. Paul. An apostle of Christ Jesus. By the commandment of God our Savior and Christ Jesus who is our hope. God who sent his son to give us a personal relationship with him. So that we might have the promise of everlasting life. Amen. And Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. Who is our hope. We sang about that this morning. Jesus Christ, our living hope. That's Paul. Let's talk very quickly about Timothy this morning. Verse 2. To Timothy. All right? From Paul to Timothy. Timothy's name means one who honors God. Now, if you study Scripture, you can find out some things about Timothy. 
He's mentioned some 24 times in the New Testament. He's first introduced to us in Acts chapter 16 when Paul goes to, to, to Lystra and Iconium. And there he finds a young man who has a great, uh, a good reputation among the believers. And that young man is des- described as, as Timothy. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. We find that in Acts chapter 16. We find out in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that he had a godly grandmother. His grandmother's name was Lois and his mother's name was was Eunice. If you read Hebrews chapter 13, you find out that Timothy was released from prison. So at some point he was incarcerated, probably for the faith. But Paul here identifies Timothy with one quality. My true child in the faith. Isn't that cool? Of all the ways to identify you, would you most like to be identified as a child of God? Not only a child of God, but a legitimate, true child of God. Now, it's important that Paul identifies Timothy as a true child of faith because he's going to talk about false teachers. And and there are a number of false teachers that are out there. There there are those who would get us to turn from the faith. But we need to go back to our true faith, our legitimate faith. Let me very quickly identify three qualities of legitimate faith. Now, this may be a little different. This first one may be a little different than your notes, okay? I hope I improved on it. Quality number one is that there is only one way to get to heaven only one savior jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the father but by me neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby me we must be saved it's not jesus plus there are a number of denominations that would have jesus plus It's not Jesus plus. There's only one Savior. Another way to identify true faith is obedience. We sing the kid's song. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. That's true. As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts. Because that's ignorant. First Peter. But as he who has called us is holy, so be ye holy. An ongoing service. You see, once we've been saved, we show that salvation through our service. James put it this way, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Not that works save. So Timothy is identified with a legitimate relationship with God in the faith. 
And it's important as we think about that legitimate relationship to recognize that God has called us and no matter what we face, because it is real, it makes a difference in our lives. And Paul says, my son, my child. Timothy was probably 35 years old at this point. We're not talking about little kids. But Paul had discipled him, had ministered to him, and shared in his life. And that made a difference to Timothy. At this point in my ministry, one of the things that really encourages me is to see how God has worked in people's lives and they continue to live out their faith. Not too many months ago, I was in our son's home. Josh and Rachel are part of um, the Woodside Bible Church family. Uh, They go to the Lake Orion campus, and their campus children's pastor is a guy by the name of Josh Miller. I had the privilege of pastoring Josh at FBCR. Josh stepped away. Didn't lose his salvation, but stepped away. And he's one of these guys that you look at him and you think, well, I don't know about that kid. But in our conversation, he said, I want you to know you had more influence on me than than you'll ever understand. Wow. Paul had influence on And what does he say to Timothy? He says, Timothy, may grace, mercy, and peace abound in your life because it comes from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. May I remind you about grace, mercy, and peace? Grace. God's undeserved favor in our lives. (laughs) Never get over God's grace. We identified Paul as a persecutor, right? We, we identified Paul as a, as a real problem. I wasn't any better than Paul. You weren't any better than Paul. Until I discovered God's grace. God's mercy. God working in our lives and freeing us from the consequence of sin. God not giving us what we do deserve. That's God's mercy. Timothy, hold to God's mercy, and even though you might blow it, and Timothy would, God's going to free you from the consequence of that. And what does that lead to? Peace. Harmony, tranquility, confidence, assurance that God's got it. And we can trust Him. Paul was very pleased at what God was doing in Timothy's life. 
this wasn't Timothy's first assignment from Paul. He'd ministered in Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi. But as Paul begins to write to his child in the faith, true child in the faith, he encourages him. He says, Timothy, never forget God's grace. Timothy, expect God's mercy. And Timothy, live in God's peace. I don't know what you're going to face this week. Preston and I have no clue what we're going to face this week. I'm sure one, if not more, days will blow up. That's okay. Because you and Pastor John and I and others need to focus on God's grace and God's mercy and God's peace because of who our God is.